0: out there, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes into people, places, things, and concepts from the galaxy far, far away. My name is Mac, I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined by my fellow Jedi archivist ross mac it's great to be here
1: today i'm happy that we're both healthy and safe here together recording another star wars all in uh we have some fun topics to talk about yeah now when we were planning this week's episode i think as we were picking topics we were like oh this will be good this will be a nice long one and now that we're here i'm a little worried that it's my, gonna be a short episode my
0: notes are a little thinner than i hoped they would yeah be. yeah uh i
1: i I don't know if this was my fault for not doing enough research or just not picking good topics, but here we are. Oh, no, don't say that. No, I think they're going
0: to be great conversations. I think this is just going to be a little lighter episode. That's yeah, all. and that's, that's
1: okay all. because I, I, you know what? I have talked with some of our listeners and some of them like short episodes. Some of them want to get in and get out and just have that tiny little dose of Star Wars. So if you're one of those <laughs> people, today might be for you. Matt, yeah. tell us how long we'll be talking about each topic. I think we're only. All- <laughs> Based on the
0: notes we have. Yeah. Probably about twenty minutes each. Oh, that's pretty good. Nice, broken up, even over the course of an hour. An hour and a change, yeah. All right, all right. So the topics we're gonna cover today is we are gonna take a look at pod racing. Kind of uh-huh. the concept. Yeah. I think that's one of the misalignments. We're is. really gonna talk yeah. about why we like pod racing, I think, right. more than anything, why it's stuck so much for us. Yeah, uh, just in the 99. concept of mm-hmm. it, right? Uh, and then we're gonna talk about a book you just recently read, which is yep. The Lost Tribe of the yep. Sith. Which is going to be exciting. A Legends
1: book. Uh, If that name isn't enough to hook you, stick around. It's awesome.
0: (laughs) And then we're going to wrap up by talking about uh, everyone's favorite galactic holiday, Empire Day. Empire Day, a day that you know
1: if you're not around if you if you haven't been paying attention to the holos, this one might have slipped by you but this mm-hmm. is a holiday first introduced in uh, Star Wars Rebels I mean I would say officially introduced officially yeah uh, but it does have some tie into some other moments in Star Wars so hang out we'll talk about that too it's gonna be fun
0: it's gonna be an awesome show and we're excited to get to it we're gonna do that right after this screen anyway sport in the Star Wars galaxy i'm talking about pod
1: racing pod racing the nascar of the star wars galaxy it
0: wow i guess it kind of is the nascar of i was more thinking formula 1 but it's definitely a lot no, more no, it's no, a lot more rural no, 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 isn't it to, to i think turn. so i think yeah, so i mean yeah, it's a they lot have it on Malastare.
1: Cobbl- it's very dangerous it is very dangerous. <laughs> that's what i hear about it that's pretty much all i know um so, so today we're talking about pod racing, introduced in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Yeah. Uh, you may remember because pod racing, at least for me and my friends, was all the rage after seeing Episode One. It basically went in order of hierarchy of coolness. Darth Maul. Yeah, okay. Then pod racing. Okay. And that was about it. Hey, those wait, were the wait, things. Those hey, were the talking points. And you're
0: like, other things. For Ross, the N1 Starfighter. Yes, there were
1: other <laughs> things I loved, but those were the talking points. Those were these schoolyard discussions about how cool was that pod race. And so today, we're going to talk about pod racing from a big picture standpoint. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about what it is, uh, where we've seen it in the Star Wars universe. And, well, that's about it, it's right?
0: It's around what kick around what it's done for Star Wars. Because yeah. I think you're right. I think coming out of 99, and I think even the most jaded... Episode one hater will still say "Uh, the pod race scene was pretty cool, (laughs) right? Because it's it's just it's a wonderful, beautiful little action beat in that movie. And it is exciting and interesting and dangerous and Mm -hmm. everything that I don't find actual automobile racing to be.
1: So let's talk about what the idea of pod racing is. Uh, It is a lap structure. Mm -hmm. So it's a course that, uh, you know, is predetermined. It's not like it's just. Uh, like a straightaway or you know it's not a drag race it is a uh tracked race that has multiple laps
0: and it's not ovals or anything it's it's a little more grand prix in the sense of it's winding through natural environments or city streets or whatever yeah
1: exactly it's built into whatever atmosphere you're in so whatever planet you're on whatever the topography is of that planet Mm -hmm. that's going to be part of your track most likely and we see that in the one time we see pod racing on film, which is the in Moss Espa, right? Well, the Bunta Eve Classic is what it's called in the film.
0: Well, the Bunta Eve Classic is the name of the race. It's right. the Mos Espa pod race right. circuit.
1: Right. Moss Espa is the town that it's closest to, basically. Correct. It's on the outskirts of. So when we see pod racing, Mac, for the first time, your initial thoughts on it are basically like, oh, I love this, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was mine. I mean, how could it be any better? We have basically this great moment that is ships that we grow to love in Star Wars, but they're not shooting at each other. They're just giant engines pulling people around.
0: Well, I think the biggest thing about I remember in 99 going pod racing was really cool was we had never seen anything like Star Wars in Star Wars like that. This is totally a civilian thing. This isn't about wars and fighting and stuff. It's a action beating contest that isn't about shooting people. I mean, there's parts of that to it, but you know, it, it was, it was sport. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing I remember loving about episode one was you got to see the galaxy, what it was like outside of wartime. You got to see cities that were just being cities like Theed and to a lesser degree Tatooine and my favorite character of all time, Coruscant. Like Mm -hmm. you got to see the world, what it was like when it wasn't at war. And yeah. that was so interesting. And to be honest, it's it's the only time we really get that. By the end time you get to the end of episode two, we're back onto the war. That's very true. And and uh, it was it was cool to see like you have all these people coming out with flags, bearing the flags of the various racers and <laughs> But I love the fact that we are getting that Hollywood, that yeah. that that um Days of Thunder that uh, Bloodsport kind of like look at all these super interesting, wild, totally disparate and different racers that are on here and all the crazy designs of their pod racers. Yeah.
1: Well, I agree. I mean, everything about the variety of it, I think, is what made me so interested in it. You know, the the pods are all different colors and different shapes. There's not one go to. Mm -hmm. Now, pod racing has definitely stuck around over the years although we've never seen another instance of pod racing again we have seen it pop up in a few other uh instances right now one of the most popular probably being on batu on galaxy's Mm -hmm. edge there is a pod racer engine that is used to cook ronto and other assorted meats with
0: Yeah, ronto roasters their their main uh oven is essentially a Pod racing engine pointed down.
1: Yeah. I mean, hey, you got to reduce, reuse, recycle, right? That's right. And see, the Star Wars galaxy gets it. That's right. Uh, so we've got pod racing engines being used at, to cook, right? Make a nice pizza in there. Um, we obviously have had lots of pod racing merchandise over the years. When episode yep. one came out, they made an Anakin and a Sebulbas pod toy. Uh, they made action fleet of both of them. And uh, more recently, We've gotten the 20th anniversary uh, pod racer, Anakin's pod racer. Anakin's Which, pod. You know,
0: I should pick that up because I had the OG, like the yeah. original run of Star Wars. One of the bigger kits was the Mos Espa race. And it, it came, came with, with um, Sebulba's Split X. It came with Anakin's pod and Gaskano's pod. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it came with like a little pit set up with pet droids and um, an observation kind of deck for the other characters. And what an awesome set that it was. was. And very big. Though, of course, when you look at it, it's kind of clunky because like you had these big sand blocks
1: mm-hmm. that were
0: connecting all the three parts of the pod together. Well, maybe we should describe that. Okay, so so George Lucas said, well, what I want is I, I want uh, Ben-Hur, but in space. um because it's a chariot race that's what it really is yeah except instead of horses and a small one-man chariot it is these exotic repulsor craft being drug along by these just massive engines yeah and those engines are bind together which establishes in star wars that uh plasma energy is purple (laughs) because the binder clips are these you know plasma binders that hold them together.
1: And they also make your appendages numb if you stick it
0: in there. Exactly, which is why you shouldn't do that.
1: Yeah, definitely not. Set
0: your tongue, don't sit your tongue in there. <laughs> um and uh we also have that they have power cables that go back, so those are sort of the reins yeah. that the the chariots are holding onto. And then these chariots are just these small little like um I don't know what you call them, like uh scondolas, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um that the the racers are sitting Sitting in that are connected to these, and uh, our our idea is that's the control sh- systems for those engines and to coordinate all of them.
1: You know, pods uh, from the little bit that we've seen, famously unreliable. Very right. We have a couple people not even make it off the starting line in this one pod race we see. So it's a very dangerous sport.
0: Let's see, is that Ben? Is that Ben Uh be There like... are no, no.
1: It's um. Is it? Well, oh boy, off the top of my head, since we weren't going it... into, I didn't look up specifically. I think it is because it's
0: because he has a quad. Yeah, he he doesn't have four. He has he, four engines rather than two.
1: Yeah, and they go flying apart. Right, right, and then there's the other pod racer who's pitroid, gets, gets sucked, sucked up. through. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's not having a great day either. Uh, and then of course Anakin, we know he doesn't have a, the best start either.
0: No. Uh,
1: So, you know, pods, uh, three out of what, 15 racers, 16 racers? And again, that gets Uh, back to that fun
0: of these vehicles are so crazy and wild and different and they're not just a single type of vehicle. They all look the same. It's got that demolition
1: derby feel of like, it's just you know, put together big crowds coming in for the pod race.
0: Oh, my gosh. There is a crowd of tens of thousands of beings watching this race.
1: Yeah. And of course, Jabba himself is there. (laughs) <laughs> to uh, To oversee it and make sure it's all done uh, honorably, right? And that the best man or alien will and win.
0: Paying tons of attention to
1: it. Yes, of course, of course. Uh, you know, when they made the pod racing scene <laughs> in episode one, they used little colored Q-tips in the stands. <laughs> I think we've talked about this maybe before. Do you know that?
0: It's Yeah, no, when I was at Celebration, they had some of that stuff, and that was very fascinating. One yeah. the thing I also like is... I think we mentioned this. Bef- I'm sure we mentioned this before, but it's also the place where Shizor is technically in canon. because oh, there's a little there's action scene. Uh, yeah. Shizor somewhere in that crowd, um, which is me stretching to make Shizor canon, but he's not. Hey, uh, he's Prince that- Shizor from yeah. uh, Shadows of the Empire. <laughs> um, and I'll be honest. Okay, let, let's 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 put it. Let's put our chips on the our, our cards on the table. Yeah. So I know a lot about pod racing for probably the same reason you know a lot about pod racing. So that names like Ben Quadroneros and Mahonic and Dud Bolt. Mars Guo. Motors- those all make sense to us for the same reason. We played a lot of the video games that came out of pod racing.
1: Yes, Pod Racer didn't just inspire toys. It inspired two separate video games that we had. So there was uh, in, I believe, 99. Yep. I think it was a uh, uh, episode one racer. Yep. Was the name of it. And it was a pod racing game that was from the Nintendo 64 That's and had an arcade cabinet. Well. Uh, oh, and it
0: had an arcade. Oh, yes. It had an arcade yeah, cast next.
1: because the pod racing arcade cabinet had literally the body of Anakin's pod that you could sit in yep. and control. Uh, and boy, was that a lot of fun. So. After that, there was Racer Revenge, which was a next-gen on PlayStation 2, and I think it came out probably on other consoles. I just know that's what I had it for.
0: I don't know if it did. I think it was just for PlayStation. Mm. Well, then
1: I guess I lucked out on that one. Because
0: I think when I had to go buy it to own a copy of it, I got it when I got my PS2.
1: Okay. Uh, Racer's Revenge, famously a lot of fun because you got to play Episode 2 Anakin. There was a way to unlock Vader. It was just basically the original Racer, but kind of cranked up a notch. Yeah. Harder levels, better graphics, that kind of stuff. So both a ton of fun. Uh, And also Racer Revenge was released digitally on the PlayStation 3 store. So if you're interested, oh, yeah, you, still get uh,
0: you can still play it and still get it. Uh, and uh, the so PC version, if you want, is uh, on like good old games and stuff like that. Oh, cool. Um, and the cool thing about it was that I really remember was let, let's, let's, let's go through the iteration. So you've got the arcade game and the cool thing about the arcade game is it reminds you of how it works in the movie. Cause in Anakin's pod, he grabs these two large levers on either side of him. And by pushing one forward or pulling one back, he can either hit the air brakes or accelerate. And like a tank, he's using that to basically twist the vehicle. So if he wants to turn to the left, he's pulling his left hand back and he's pushing his right hand forward, which twists the vehicle with the difference between the two engines around. Um, And that's what you've do in the arcade game, which is really hard. (laughs) I mean, right? Yeah. Like, it's not yes. easy at all.
1: <laughs> Very much so. Uh, I definitely had a good bit of experience, but when it came to Star Wars arcade games, I did lean more towards the trilogy arcade cabinet over the pod racing cabinet. Sure. Uh but the pod
0: racing cabinet, boy, was a heck of a a heck of a swing. It was a beautiful thing to look at too. Yeah, it was just so impressive. Yeah, it was. And the N sixty four game was basically similar. It's basically the same game ported. Yeah. Um, except for you could use a normal control stick and just go left and right like a like a yeah. normal person.
1: I still remember when I got my episode one racer game and my racer... Uh, I also got the uh, the hint book with it as well.
0: Oh, okay. That was a big day. I wish I still had those. Hmm. I remember uh, the biggest thing with me is I was on a family c- vacation, but I was kind of under the weather, so I was sort of stuck in a room. Mm, that um, is lame. And I didn't have anything to do. So I played episode ra- one racer because I had... I can't remember why. I think they had an N64, so I just brought my cartridge. Ah, very cool. And I ended up beating that game backwards and forwards. And I remember being the most wonderful and frustrating thing of my entire life because I—I mean, I was beating it on the highest difficulty level and going, "Why am I enjoying this?" It's like because <laughs> I'm sick and have nothing better to do. Um, but that game got really hard. But one thing you do with the N64 game, I should mention, is you could hook up two N64 controllers and use both control sticks like you did in the arcade. So the triggers became the air brakes and the back and, and the two sticks would be your two engines. I don't know if you ever did that.
1: No, I had no idea. Oh, yeah, you could. Yeah, you could control it that way, which was wild wow okay we need to all right we need to boot make that, that up happen. yeah we need to make that happen
0: um and then racer revenge like you said is neat because they because of the better graphics they also made the courses a little less i would say the first episode one racer is very like f-zero they're coming at you so fast you don't really get to interpret them yeah. and there's not a whole lot of like some races like boot to eve have a lot of shortcuts and stuff but for the most part they're fairly simple whereas racers revenge i remember having a lot more things were happening on the track
1: yeah, there were definitely, like, options on which way to go more, and, like, you know, shortcuts you could kind of find and cheat your way into, and unlockable characters, and that that kind of thing that made it just a little bit of a bigger game, but time trial options and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and so, it just reminds you of, like, all the different characters. So, all the characters that are in the starting grade of Moss Espa are known. They all have names. Their ships generally have names. Um, all of this stuff was done, and it's kind of crazy because, I mean, what do you think? When the boota Eve's over, how many racers do you think actually quote-unquote Survivor finish? I think six
1: racers finish. Oh, okay. If I remember correctly. So
0: we've got Anakin and five others. Yes. Whereas everybody else, like, so Sabalba is, like, portrayed as one of the best racers in the world, and you could see him overcompensating because his split-axe racer, which looks rad, is also... Easily twice as big as, like, anyone else's ships. Yeah, it's gigantic, especially for such a little guy. Oh, yeah, because, well, the other thing is the gondola it's pulling, like, his little pod is, there's not much to it at all. It's it's kind of almost skeletal. Um, and it has weapons. It's got the the vents that can flare. It's got the um, saws and stuff on the side of it. And, you know, and he's got, he's a jerk. He's cheating the crap out of this thing. Um <laughs> but yes. then you but um like his when it explodes in the desert you just imagine like it's like a ship crashing like it's huge yeah
1: it's uh when any pod crashes it's a big deal the sound effects they have and everything it, it really uh they really sell that a lot of damage is being done now another interesting tidbit on the pod race is there have been multiple versions of it that have been released. Now, I know, Mac, you've had a chance to see the 3D version of it. I did. Or I have not. Uh, what did you think of 3D pod racing? So,
0: pod racing in 3D was rad. Um, so, one of the laments I have about the Disney acquisition is they canceled all the plans to do the rest of the movies in 3D. Because, look, 3D is a gimmick. I'm not going to try and defend that, especially at home. But it works in a theater. In theaters, 3D is cool and can increase your experience, especially with something kind of action-y like Star Wars. Yeah. So, like, in Star Wars, when you are seeing Darth Maul fighting at the power plant on Naboo, that power plant goes down forever, and you feel that. You know, Um, when you're in the space battle, you can feel the depth of it. You can see all the multiple planes of things happening. And then the pod race feels insanely fast. Like, just the amount of explosions and like there's a scene where i think it's mahonic like there's an explosion and he sort of like blasts through it as he's eyeing the needle in that canyon and you're going through the fire and flame of the other pod exploding and that felt really umfy. or those rock formations at the end of, end of the race before you get back to the main starting grid yeah where you're like dancing and navigating against all these like stone spires was really frenetic yeah um, and it was great. And the saddest part about it was, as they famously said, like episode one was the hardest one to yeah. do 3D for. Because... It wasn't
1: shot in digital.
0: And two and three would have been trivial to make 3D and we're never going to get them.
1: <laughs> Maybe one day. Yeah. You never know. Okay. Well, uh, Mac, pod racing is awesome. I know one day we'll do a breakdown of the full pod race scene from episode one yeah, we'll do the and boutique. get into all the real details. But I think we just wanted to take a minute and talk about how much we like it. And while we haven't seen it on Star Wars film again, I know I hope we do one day. Yeah, me too. A pod racing Disney Plus series, maybe.
0: Yeah, because right now, like you said, there's the the mention in Star Wars Galaxy. I think Twilight Company mentions like a track, but like it's still in Star Wars. And even though it's illegal in the New Republic, you know, there's lots of places. There's
1: lots of CD underbellies. All right. Let's go take a look at one of the darkest places in the galaxy Next. Oh. To talk about a legend okay the legend of the lost tribe of the sith
0: a little,
1: a little spooky yeah uh so the lost tribe of the sith is a series of collected short stories kind of wrapped up by a little novella uh so we'll talk about that but basically this is a collection of stories published by John Jackson Miller in uh, into the Legends timeline of books. And one of the things that's most interesting about this grouping of stories mm-hmm. is that it takes place over the course of a couple of thousand of years. Okay. So the very first short story takes place 5,000 years before episode one, The Phantom Menace.
0: 5,000? So we're even before like the Knights of the Republic stuff. Yeah,
1: we're jumping back pretty darn far. And so let's talk about the basis of the story. And then I want to talk a little bit about um, what I like so much about it and why I wanted to talk about it today. But let's start out by talking about how each one of these little stories. Now, the first story is called Precipice. And I just want to give you an idea here. Each one of these stories, with the exception of the last one, which is a little bit more of like a novella short story, is about four chapters, about 30 pages. So they're pretty darn short, with the exception of the last one, which is a little over 100 pages. So just to give you an idea um, of how truly short these are. So Lost Tribe of the Sith really starts out with this character named Yaru Corson. And Corson is basically the captain of this ship, the Omen. And he is a Sith piloting a ship full of Sith. Now, there are a mix of, if you're not familiar with this in Legends, the Sith species are their own thing. But then there are also humans and other people who practice the ways of the Sith.
0: And they're slowly hybridizing, too. That's time, exactly right, yes. I'm trying to think, I think Sith appear in the Great Hyperspace War, which is actually, I guess, that's about 5,000. That's years funny.
1: Before. That's where this part of this oh, is okay. taking part. So, Yaru Corson is pilot or captain of the Omen, and the Omen crash lands onto this planet Kesh. They are pulled out of hyperspace because they have damage to their ship from another ship hitting them. From their fleet, and they are essentially trying to transport these crystals to this Sith Lord named Nagasado. Now, we've never talked about Nagasato on Star Wars All-In before, but he is basically a Sith Lord at this time, and he is leading the war against the Republic. Okay. And the Jedi. Now, Corson crashes, and among the people with him are his half-brother, and his half-brother's wife, and a whole bunch of people he knows, but also a whole bunch of Sith who, well, let's just put it this way, Sith are not afraid to uh, try and kill people above them to get to the top. I (laughs) mean, The goal of the Sith is always to keep moving. What's next? What's next? They reference that a lot in the book. Okay, here we are, we've succeeded, what's our next goal? They always want to be working towards something. Right, right, right. And Corson basically believes that as long as the Sith are working towards something, They can make it. They can make anything happen, right? The sky is the limit. Well, basically, they crash on this planet, and they determine very quickly: okay, we are trapped on a mountainside. Like there's, it's ocean and peaks, and there's no way down. Okay, and they can't get a signal out. They can't repair their ship. Like they're stuck. They're ruined. Yes. So the first story, the first short story, is just literally them. Okay, what do we do? Like, half of the people with us are dying because they just can't handle the atmosphere here. We have no communication. We have no supplies. Like, we are literally stuck.
0: Right, right, right. Well,
1: there are the local people of Keshe, and they have these things called uvax, these flying beasts. And basically, this scholar from this society on Keshe, who is meant to be very, you know, it's meant to be underdeveloped they don't have space travel they don't have metal like they're just they're very very basic as far as their evolution to the stars goes which you know a lot of other planets have already grasped so this group basically brings the sith off the mountain where they were stuck they were marooned and the book over the course of multiple generations talks about how the sith Basically overtook the society and became their gods, became the ruling class. Okay, uh, they, a very you know, Sith thing to do. Yeah, so it's it's about okay, how do the Sith trick them to think that they are gods? To be that's the first part, and then how does Yaru Corson, kind of our main character at the beginning, basically deal with okay, I've been a ruler for twenty five years and now people are getting a little antsy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my, uh, my wife who I've married because she's a Sith also wants to kill me because she believes she could do it better. And so it's <laughs> him setting up this society while also trying to kind of like look over his shoulder and keep them moving forward and all this. And so the entire story, even after this character dies, okay, keeps moving on through the generations. So oh. it might be like okay, it's twenty years later and we have the same characters, but then a hundred years pass and now it's new characters. But there are three or four references to like, well, before Yara Corson's death, he made sure to amend the constitution so that when a king, a grand lord of the Sith dies, whoever their spouse spouses has to be put to death. That way, their spouse can't kill them, and also has to make sure they're protected. That's so it's like you know, they they bring up they they're basically establishing a world. I kind of was describing it also for as record, that's rough, isn't it? Rough, right?
0: <laughs> you die, your SO has to die too. That sucks, yeah, right? Um, and
1: well, there's a lot I like about it, but so basically, it all takes place in these tiny little uh bursts of story. I like to think of it. it's like the chapter overview for a civilization. It's, it's like, like you. It sounds
0: like you just got like, like a history book and you're just sort of like flipping through the pages, stopping at a passage and yeah. then flipping to the next one.
1: That's very much what it feels like. So as you go through these different stories, which are great because they're all so short, you could literally just read one a night and uh-huh. finish the book in a week or so, uh, is you really feel like you're getting a lot of detail without having to spend a lot of time it's very efficient if that makes sense yeah uh john jackson miller is a he's written a lot in star wars especially in star wars legends i think he's only written one canon book to date but he's written a lot in legends and he is known for being a writer that can do a lot with his descriptions and in this he's really impressive because he's giving a lot of detail but he's not spending a ton of time on that detail, which is great. Mm. So he lets us know who our main characters are, and he lets us know what they stand for, what they believe in, very, very quickly, which I really like a lot. Uh, So the value of these short stories I don't think can be understated, just because they're so quick, but you get this great little bit of info from each one that makes it feel unique. So each, you know, for example... One time you might be following the Grand Lord of the Sith. The next time you might be following um, the daughter of the Grand Lord of the Sith, right? Or then you might be following uh, someone who is in no way related to them, but is also uh, not uh, in a position of power. There's someone from the outside looking in and trying to plot their way in. Or you might follow someone who is uh you know maybe a jedi who's crash landed and is stuck on this planet because he also can't get a signal out and he has to live on this planet of sith you know so there are all these interesting quick little moments that you don't necessarily get in one full story because a full story can only focus on so many characters and plot points where this gives you the ability to really jump around
0: well it sounds like instead of going deep it's trying to go wide
1: very much so yeah uh As I said, it's incredibly efficient. Uh, There are also a ton of themes of history repeating itself for the Sith. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one thing that I found really interesting is basically all of the Sith who are successful, they find, basically realize that outwards violence and aggression is not a substitute for planning and for being smart and for playing the (laughs) long game. And we obviously see that with the most successful Sith of all time, and Darcydian. Yeah,
0: he has a very long con.
1: Right. So... It's interesting that every Sith we see is successful, so I don't want to spoil it too much, but at the end of the book, they after all these short stories were published and they thought they were going to be done, they were able to publish one more longer story that takes place about another thousand years later. Okay. Well, the original story, the original, like the one that I let off talking about, Yeah. basically it turns out that as that ship was crashing, the cameras on the ship. Gather that this isn't the only continent on this planet, it's just the continent they're closest to. And so, while they're on a continent that is very, very, um, shall we say, underdeveloped, yeah, there's another continent across the way where for 2,000 years they've been preparing for the arrival of a Sith invasive species of oh. an invading force. So, the last story is basically a hey, here's Now, there's this new area to conquer. Thank God someone in the past realized, like, when the Sith get bored, it's just going to be a bunch of infighting and them destroying themselves. So we're going to save this whole new continent for them to conquer (laughs) when, you know, things are truly dire. And I found that really interesting. But basically, then there's this other society who... Talks about like, well, we've been preparing for 2000 years. We have these weapons and we have all the, even though we don't have technology, we found ways to like prepare and we have all these way stations and all of these like lookout points. And, you know, we're ready to roll. Our whole society is like this peaceful society because we're built around this one goal of succeeding, of stopping <laughs> this invasive force if it ever arrives. And so it's just this really interesting thing. And I don't want to give away too many details, but I guess this is a little bit of a spoiler one of the things that comes around at the end of it is like, okay, so here you have one group of these people who were literally enslaved by the, by the Sith forcing them to think they're gods. And then you have this other group of people who were enslaved by the idea of the Sith of, we need to take our entire society Uh. and mold it around being ready for this invasive force and not really understand. And so what's interesting is like the citizens who live among the Sith Sith in the original part, are these beautiful artists and they create all these amazing things because realistically, they're safe, they're protected, they're just not the dominant not species. Free. Right. Yeah. Whereas then you have this other side where they are all this kind of great completely utopian free to do society, whatever they want. but it's very much like they're a society built around war and every person serves the war effort in some way and everything's yeah. very practical. Huh. And it's just this really interesting juxtaposition yeah yeah Yeah. i i really really enjoyed it i love short story format i think we've talked about that a lot before yeah Uh, i'm going through my legends reread and since i'm doing it in a chronological order this just happened to be the book i was reading and i really had a lot of fun with it um i really want to give a lot more detail but at the same time i really want people to go out and read it because it's (laughs) so much fun all i'll tell you is every story truly does feel like Not necessarily a different genre, because a lot of it has that sort of Game of Thrones, like politicizing of events and all that. But each story just takes off so quickly. It's like you feel like by the time you're like, oh, my gosh, I know these characters. I know the plot. You're already halfway done. And it's been like 20 pages.
0: Gotcha. So
1: it's just it the pace it moves it. It's so much fun for a book, especially a Legends book, because the downside to Legends books is you're reading things that may not apply to the greater story. The things I like about this story so much are that, A, it absolutely could still fit into the canon if it ever was decided to, because it's so very specifically so far before anything we know. Okay. And two, because it's short story based – it's they're almost easier to wrap your mind around. It's like it's less of an investment. So if you don't like a yeah. story, you're right on to the next one, and it's totally okay.
0: Yeah, just skip over it.
1: People love the Sith. People love hearing about the Sith. All of these characters are interesting. Uh, it definitely paints a different picture than the Sith we see on film because they're just people who believe in strength. Ultimately, that's what they are. The Sith are just a warrior they're race. They're ultimate Darwinists. Yeah, they're just like. We're going to be stronger, and if I'm stronger and I'm better than you, then I deserve to be above you in whatever position of power I can hold over you, whether that's an entire civilization or that's individuals within the Sith ranks. Uh, it's funny because after you get like through the first millennium, it's like, now here are these different cults of Siths who have broken off, and one mm-hmm. likes to follow the teachers of you know who they believe our ancestors were. One likes to reach towards the stars, and be thinking about outward expansion and, you know, so they each have their own little different things that come off of every story. Um, and so while they are individual stories, they are all connected. It is definitely worth reading all of them. And I highly recommend it. It's a generally easy book to find. It got a legends printing, uh, I highly, highly recommend
0: it. Sounds awesome, man. That sounds great.
1: Yeah. Um, and there, there are lots of other fun little details in there too. Uh, I'd love to do a full breakdown for you, but I really want—I really just recommend going out and reading it. Lost Tribe of the Sith, John Jackson Miller. Uh, it is a Legends novel, but—but
0: uh, but it sounds like it's a nice little like encapsulated yeah. thing, and it's—it's it's so far in the past. It doesn't sound like it really, again, like a lot of Knights of the Old Republic stuff. It's not that it is in canon, but it—you know—you yeah. don't have to know anything about canon to follow this story.
1: No, not at all. You don't have to know anything about anything to follow, right. which it's, is great. It's own I mean, little pocket yeah and the only thing knowing other star wars stuff will do for you is when you hear names like nagasato yeah you'll be like oh i've heard that before in another instance that's about it okay
0: so that's the things i would get out of it yes you're telling me. gotcha
1: so i highly recommend it mac i think you should read it. i think it's a ton of fun i think it's one of the best legends stories i've read in a while mm-hmm. and if you've been staying away from legends content but you're all caught up on canon content this is one I highly
0: recommend. Sounds great. Well, I tell you what, let us go talk about perhaps maybe the greatest triumph of all the Sith in our next topic. Oh. Star Wars is for everyone. Every day, we have the
1: ability and opportunity to create a more accepting world by actively coming together and living inclusively.
0: Whether it's the galaxy far, far away or right here at home, there's always a chance to do even small things to include other people. Let them know that they're loved. Regardless of the differences we have between us, what makes us in common is far more important. Yeah, Star Wars loves and accepts all. And it's always
1: been about that. And here we are in 2020, Star Wars more inclusive
0: than ever. I can't tell you how many different people from different walks of life, different ability levels, different races, creeds genders that were all together at Star Wars Celebration to celebrate the things we love.
1: Sometimes it feels like you're fighting against the Empire when you're trying to champion what's right. But remember, it takes
0: all of us to fight an Empire. So join us and everyone else in the galaxy and learn how you can come together at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Today, to celebrate the greatest achievement of the galactic species. Why, of course, I'm speaking of Empire Day. I remember that our savior, the person that saved us from the great Jedi coup, Shiv Palpatine, Emperor, declared us no longer a republic full of corruption and bureaucratic sludge. No, 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 no. We will stand together, united as one great galactic empire.
1: And we do need a way every anniversary to celebrate that.
0: I know. We should crush people we don't like and dissonance. Let's kill dissonance on that day. Let's give everybody the day off just so they have to come watch our parade. Yeah. And we'll show new military technologies. And it'll be real boring. You ever seen May Day parades? It'll be like that, except even worse. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about Empire Day, which let's be let's just kind of frame our story here, which is two specific things. One, the annual holiday that celebrates the founding of the Galactic Empire. Yes. And also the original Empire Day which is the day the Galactic Empire got founded. Yes.
1: So you may remember this moment in episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, basically, Palpatine is up there in front of the Senate, going, the attempt on my life has left me scarred, but that's okay because we're going to get rid of this democracy nonsense and we're going to have a dictatorship and you're all going to love it. And they all cheer and they go, yeah, this is great. We'll be safe. We'll end the war. It won't matter that you'll oppress species and drain all the resources from planets.
0: We're not thinking that far ahead. Or You're more great at this. We agree with you at the moment because we assume we will not be part of the group of people that will be exploited. It'll be other people that will be <laughs> exploited. When surprise, everyone will be exploited. Uh-huh, and it leads uh-huh. to my, my favorite line and one I've heard in my own mind during way too many political debates of the entire movie. This is how democracy dies. To thunderous applause. Yes,
1: yes, and it very much did. For 19 years it dies, and uh, Empire Day was celebrated yearly on that anniversary of that speech of Palpatine. Empire Day, also the birthday of Ezra Bridger, as we learn in Rebels, which is really where we first hear the concept of Empire Day. Right. We learn that Empire Day is not only Ezra's birthday, but it's also the day that, well, the Emperor chooses to uh, celebrate himself.
0: And his and his power, because um, it's kind of interesting, which means that Ezra Bridger is like basically exactly two days older than the twin Skywalkers. Yeah, which is weird, right? Because when I
1: first saw Rebels, I was like, oh, okay. if Ezra was born on this day, does that mean he has the same birthday as Luke and Leia? Because aren't they born Mm. like 20 minutes after that speech? Well, apparently. In uh, movie time, yes. In, but... <laughs> in, in uh, yeah, in movie time they are. But in uh, the timeline or Avenge of the Sith, that I would imagine the novel paints that a little bit better. It's been a number of years, but well, I'll get there soon.
0: You figure if you watch it, basically, so the Emperor, you know, is almost arrested in that night or early morning, depending on how you want to read that scene. Yeah. By the following day, Operation Nightfall and Order Sixty Six have fallen, and so like that day, we assume around midday is like a State of the Union, it brings the whole Senate together to say, "Okay, well, the Jedi are killed, so the last obstacle for me doing this is done." Oh, by the way, Grievous is dead. Don't worry about the war; that's over. The point is, I am God now. Worship me. <laughs> um, and by the end of that day, you know, uh, Yoda is fighting him in the Senate. And at this point, Obi-Wan and Padme are trying to go figure out where Anakin went. And so by the next day, they're on Mustafar having a climatic battle. And by the end of that day, that night, so like approximately two days after the, you know, a day or two after the uh, the declaration of the Empire is when uh, the twins are born. That all checks out to me. I believe it. And... Again, it's weird to think about what is happening elsewhere in the galaxy because at this point, you know, Ezra is born and spends his formative years on Lothal, which becomes a beautiful. I mean, the thing that Rebels does so great is setting the stage of what happens to a world as it's being subjugated, as well as showing you how people just give in. Like one of the things that's kind of scary is Ezra's parents are kind of radicals and eventually that catches up with them. And, you know, Ezra knows of a handful of people on the planet who are, you know, sympathetic to the rebels or or want to be rebels. But most of the, the people just accept it. Hey, we've got new highways. I guess that's OK. The empire's not that bad. <laughs> I pay my taxes. They leave me alone most of the time. Yeah. I don't know. There's
1: food at the markets and there's none of that rebel trash running around.
0: So, hey, yeah. I'm all in. And look, we all have work. We have to work at the factory building the new new uh, TIE fighters. Isn't that great? Steady work? Hope nothing would happen that would shut this down. Those dirty rebels hopefully won't, on Empire Day, ruin this entire assembly line of this prototype TIE fighter, which is also <laughs> the only thing that's powering our economy. Right? Right. Oh, no. God, those
1: rebels always causing trouble.
0: Yeah, because it's it's Ezra's essentially 15th birthday that we see that the Empire on Lothal is presenting what it's been doing, which is yeah. they turn Lothal, or at least uh, Lothal City, into like basically a... Tie fighter factory and that's what everyone on this planet is going to eventually be doing for the empire is building weapons of war like this and uh the rebels as a celebration of their own empire day blow it up and makes life on low fall worse <laughs> objectively <laughs> but when we, the, the interesting thing about um uh, empire day is i think it establishes two things that are very interesting to star wars one star wars has a galactic calendar Everyone in the galaxy, regardless of how it lines up with your planet, does recognize that there's a galactic calendar yeah. and that there's at least one holiday on there. That was the other thing is, oh, Star Wars has holidays now. Lucky Life Dave isn't the only one. It's not the only one anymore. And there are more galactically observed holidays like Empire Day.
1: I like to think that Empire Day is now the only holiday. Like once Empire Day started, there was no reason for any other holiday.
0: No, especially not frivolous religious ones, <laughs> like Wookiee Life Day. What's exactly. Like that? Exactly. No, no, no. Stop pandering. That sounds like you're worshipping something other than the great empire that provides the bread on your table. How could I you? I don't think that makes sense.
1: Now, I do want to mention in, I believe it's the first Thrawn book, he, uh, there's a mention of Ascension Week which is like oh. a f- celebration that's like goes over the course of multiple days, and it leads up to Empire Day on Coruscant. It's basically like a, hey, we're going to celebrate this entire week, our grand empire, and uh, we're going to have festivities all week long. So it's
0: like a big festival. Oh, it's just recounting like, oh, remember when Palpatine was saved from from Count Gr- Grieve, or <laughs> General Grievous, but of course, you know, by those poor terrible jedi who would eventually betray him can you believe it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then after all that harrowing stuff he he survived yet another assassination attempt on his life oh he had it so rough and then when he declares the empire do you remember those dissidents who said that this is how liberty dies Man, once we eliminated all of them, though, things were great.
1: (laughs) Things really turned around here. Let's go listen to Glory of the Empire, our propaganda song.
0: Yes, let's do that, because I am a loyal Imperial (laughs) citizen, and I love it. It's also kind of weird you think about, like, this was probably only celebrated, what, uh, not even 30-odd times? Like, probably like 28 or so? Because you assume they stopped celebrating Empire Day after the Battle of Jakku. (laughs) Once the Empire gets cracked, you assume that Empire Day stops. You know what? I think I remember reading something about that. Either that or, like, every previous civilization in our world, um, Empire Day is now Republic Day. Since you were already celebrating, just celebrate the correct thing, not the old thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we call it Ascension Week. It's uh, Freedom Week. Welcome to Freedom Week so i do
1: want a freedom week would be good so i do want to say with empire day the other thing about it and and the reason why i think it's kind of an interesting little bit that has been added in is uh it's essentially propaganda oh absolutely right i mean they show a younger version of palpatine a non-scarred version in uh you know in different marketing materials
0: that's the first time you see what The galactic view of the empire is who is horribly reclusive after his scarring, but after that, like people know he was attacked and scarred by the Jedi, which is why he doesn't make like public appearances. Yeah, but his semi public appearances are all propaganda. He's young and vital, he's very Senator Palpatine.
1: Yeah, so it does. So, according to the Wikipedia here, it says the last Empire Day is celebrated five years after the Battle of Yavin.
0: Okay, so that would be...
1: So that would make sense, because that's about mm, two years... Yeah, that would be about probably a year after the end of the war, I would imagine, which would be about the Battle of Jakku. That would make sense.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure those centralists in the yeah. new Republic Senate, they probably celebrated in secret. So They might have. They might have. On Republic Day.
1: Because uh, em- just so you know, Empire's End is the source for that on Wikipedia. A uh, good place for it to... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't go and look at that. I probably should have. But Empire Day, uh, most most notably known from Star Wars Rebels, but a very interesting... I find propaganda in Star Wars very interesting. Remember that propaganda book?
0: I own it. That I had all that.
1: the different posters in it. There's a really awesome book out there that I think was a Pablo Hidalgo it was. effort, right?
0: Well, sort of. I mean, it's mostly an art book. Yeah. Um, But one of the cool things is I think almost all of them you can punch out and hang as posters. Yeah, it's really, uh, really It's red. basically just using the... The art styles, especially especially uh, Russian uh, era propaganda, which is yeah. often cited as probably the most important to us as being both Americans, because that's the stuff we saw. Is like that's what the enemy's doing, and then going like that's. Pretty good art. It looks pretty good. Uh <laughs> so let's just say that socialist revolutions produce amazing art. That's sort of what we're trying to get at here. And so most of them are that. They are either imperial propaganda of like join the Imperial Navy and it's like wartime sort of propaganda, or it's things like like remember Alderan. And it's like, you know, a hopeful, like join the rebel cause. And it's things like Empire Day that reminds you that the like propaganda we're seeing in that book is in their world. Like yeah. Um, I love in solo when you walk up to the Imperial recruiting station on Corellia and the <laughs> Imperial marches playing playing, and you have this, this little pocket of a death star just magically inside this yeah. you know, spaceport. Um, it, it just shows that the empire is this utter machine and uh, empire day. I think, like I said, makes it feel even more real because especially we don't only get to see propaganda, but we, we, as viewers of star Wars, know exactly what happened on the first empire day and to the galaxy at large. It's a completely different yes, story. Yes. And that's, that's just really, that's what makes Star Wars feel like a deep and real place. It does. It does. Uh, and, uh, I think that if you
1: haven't seen rebels, it's worth checking out. Absolutely. <laughs> I, think I think that's, that's a I season wanna... one episode anyway. <laughs> yeah. So. It's early on. I want to end on that. Cause I think, Hey, if you haven't watched rebels, uh, this is one of the great things it provides, we haven't done a ton of rebels topics, But this is one of them.
0: All available. D plus. Go check it out.
1: That's right. You can watch it all on demand while you were in quarantine. Well, that was great. Oh, you starting? <laughs> this is weird. That Another was great. Another
0: episode of Star Wars comes to an end. Yeah.
1: I really hope that you just put in a little interstitial of uh, the glory of the Empire. I don't know if uh, you'll be able to find an audio recording of that, but I hope you did. I'll probably so we do can that, but I'll probably do it at the front
0: end. Oh, okay. People so, will have heard glory it, of the Empire if available.
1: Okay, so if you heard glory of the Empire, I hope you liked it. Uh, if you didn't hear "Glory of the Empire," that means Matt couldn't find a good copy. Go, go, uh, go! Find it. Go, I'll, go, I'll search have, it. Go I'll to the time. YouTube. So,
0: so okay, okay. Let's just let's break the illusion here a little bit. If you're listening to this, <laughs> uh, you can already tell we're a little punchy and a little weird. Uh, this episode, uh, I think we talked about some really cool stuff. I, I'm really happy with it, but I, I noticed it turned out to be shorter than we were expecting, and that's okay. Yeah, we didn't have as much to say about. When we decided we weren't going to
1: break down the Boonta Eve classic and just talk about pod racing in general, I don't think we thought about how short that would actually turn out to be.
0: Yeah, that probably shouldn't have anchored our uh, our episode, but we'll get it, to Boonta Eve soon enough um, yes. because guess what? You're going to be hearing a lot from us um, because uh, basically because of the current thing going on here in North America where uh, COVID-19 is raging yeah. across and people are self-quarantined uh myself and ross we are both in uh a semi-mandatory quarantine um self-quarantine we're not yeah. being forced to but uh we are lucky that our our job is helping us basically be able to stay home and stay paid and because of that we have lots of time to pre-record a bunch of episodes of star we wars do. so
1: we don't even have to go outside to get to each other's houses
0: no no it is helpful uh and i think the big thing that i'm just going to let you do know, is the audience know is um Hopefully, these won't get too punchy, but we're going to record a lot of them in a relatively short period of time. So We are. It's going to be um, fun. We will be, thankfully, able to deliver you through the entire—however long this crisis lasts, your podcast will be coming at you at a normal speed. And who knows? We might even be able to throw some specials together. It just depends on uh, how long this goes and, and what, uh, what resources we have. But
1: Yeah, if we're not back to work by, like, the end of April— uh, yeah things will get um, let's see if we can just finish the whole year of Star Wars all in let's see uh, if we can just take a year off that will, that will be so much editing because nothing will change in Star Wars over the course of a year I'm sure
0: um, but again I just want to hope you everyone out there is uh, sane and safe yeah, and stay safe uh, I hope we are at some level giving you something to do during all of this mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm, if you do mm-hmm. have uh, a position where you need to be working out there uh, thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate everyone who still needs to stay in the workforce and keep the world running and uh yeah, hopefully we'll get to the other side of this uh, sooner than later. Um I'm one with the force, the force is with me. We'll we'll get through this. That's right. We will get through this. I liked that. A little a uh, little Donnie in there.
1: Yeah, to, I mean uh, we got to got to keep
0: out. hope yeah. alive, right? that's right that's right this is a rebellion this is and they're built on hope that's what I hear so uh yeah we're gonna be watching a lot of Star Wars gonna be catching up with a lot of Star Wars reading we're gonna talk about some comic books as we go through this adventure we're gonna talk about some topic types we haven't really hit we're gonna revisit some si- that's, stuff
1: that's all true I'm on my third Star Wars Legends book Ooh. I plan to finish that and at least one more during the course of this quarantine uh I also am going to try and read try try <laughs> every Star Wars comic from 2015 to 2019. I think I can do it. I think I can do it. I think you
0: can. I think, I think with the time we have, you definitely can.
1: So Um. we'll see. If the topics get even more zany and weird over the next couple of weeks, you'll know that's just because Ross is just pulling from the I was all gonna say I, I,
0: again we it'll it'll be a little bit different here. So so bear with us. Uh as the episode comes out, yeah. please let us know in social media what how we're doing, what you think. Um reach out to us through Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, Those Star
1: is- Wars all in. Stop. Easy to search.
0: Easy to search, all one word. And uh yeah, just keep it here. We'll see you uh, you know, pretty much every week for Yeah. As long as we can keep producing this. Stay safe out there.
1: Uh, Next time will be another Star Wars story for you. It's going to be great. And until
0: then, I'm Mac. I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday, may the Force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.